I look back and say, I wasn't the right person to, to run that team or like to have that role. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen. And uh, in, who I have with me today, uh, this is what I love about LinkedIn. This is what I love about like the first time you meet somebody. Yeah, I'm talking through all these audio edits and post-production work as I'm sitting there talking to somebody who I just met, you know, a few minutes ago. <laughs> and what's fantastic about it is, is it leads to these, these awkward moments in post where he's like, okay, let's, let's focus on this particular mistake here. And oh, by the way, oh, by, oh, by the way, that was awkward that you just clapped as you, as you get, you know, you told us where we're going to be splicing and start the episode. So th- for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you know, that's, that's how Steven does things. We just, we call it out and try to have as much recreation of what this environment is for you, the listener. So uh, Johnny, I appreciate you taking some time. Johnny Price, founder of, uh, of WeFunder. Uh, we connected on LinkedIn, right? That's how we connected. We did. And, and yeah there's a significant amount of, of similarities between your story and mine. We're both dads, both in our late thirties, uh, both have founded companies, uh, both have actually been really quite frankly, just uh, a career chock full of mistakes and opportunities to screw up because, you know, we've got some sales, uh, you know, experience peppered in there. Uh, but I'd say more importantly, um, I love the way that you characterized a little bit earlier. You're like, I, I don't know what I've screwed up. I, I've, I don't, I mean, I've, I don't have these huge, huge things. I'm just, I'm just kind of trying to live life and make things happen. Just be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, well, all right. That's We can stop right there. So for those of you who are listening, listen, I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Johnny Price come in and talk a little bit about some of uh, his screw ups, his mistakes. And listen, if you're, I mean, if you're out there hooking and jabbing right now, especially over the course of the last year, um, the pandemic has presented plenty of opportunities to screw up. Right. This present, it's presented a lot of challenges that you got to look, you know, you got to pick up this rock and look at it from different perspectives and talk to customers and find out where you show the most value and figure out, you know, what your worth is that's out there. So I, I really appreciate Johnny uh, taking the time to talk with us today. Um, so how in the hell are you? Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. Great to be here. And yeah, hello from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, just a little bit east of you. So are you used to saying that yet? Or has it just been like, you're almost saying San Francisco, but then you stop yourself? Well, you might have detected the English accent, which is where I originally hail from. So I feel like I'm, you know, the moment when I pick up y'all, or even all y'all, then that'll be that'll be the the moment when I know I'm uh, at home here in Nashville. But uh, for for the moment, uh, yeah, it's still it's still all new. My wife's uh, parents live here. She grew up here. So um, about a year ago, the start of pan- pandemic, we moved from SF to Nashville to have a little bit more space and have their support uh, with our three young kids. So when did you move uh, from England? It's been a fun, fun move for us. I moved from England um, about 10 years ago. I'm, I was uh, dating my wife at the time. She was in SF. I was back in London. So I got my consulting firm to transfer, transfer me from their London office to their SF office. Then we got married, uh, lived in SF uh, for a decade, and then and then just moved to Nashville. But yeah, it was love that brought me uh, out to America in the first place. Very cool. Oh, listen, if you're if you're hearing this for the first time, we've got Johnny Price with us. He's just talking about how he followed his heart from England 
to America. Now, fast forward a few years, uh, on to uh, founding a company uh, after leading a sales team, starting a family. Uh, we, we, we can't just fast forward through those things and not recognize that there's plenty of opportunities to screw up. I remember my first time changing a diaper. Uh, if you're laughing, listening to this, you do too. So, uh, Johnny, mm-hmm. you, you remember going through that entire process. I've got buddies of mine who still have yet to change a diaper. So, I love giving them a hard time, especially like wow. back in the day where I'm like, I don't know if that's a Hershey's like a Hershey's chocolate bar or, or what, and they don't either. So I want to mess with them a little bit. So that's a, that's a, story, that's a story for a different time. So, I've all right. So you changed moved, a few, a fair few diapers over the last uh, four or five years. Yeah. hundred percent. What I, I, um, I know that, uh, so going from, from essentially one country to another, did you go to school, like college and, and your, what do you call it over, over there? We call it just, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school here, preliminary studies yeah. before you get to college over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went went to school all the way up in the UK, and then uh, actually before going to college, took a gap year. Uh, took a year out. Uh, basically, went to teach in a school in Zambia in Africa for eight months, and uh, traveled all around Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, which was a lot of fun. Got into some scrapes over there, uh, some some pretty crazy like cycling trips through game parks, carrying a bike over crocodile-infested rivers. A lot of kind of the stuff that you get into when you're 18 years old and uh, then went to university for three years, um, three years over there, not four. And then, um, yeah, first job out of college was for a management consulting company uh, called Oliver Wyman. So I did that for six years. And partway through that, I came to volunteer at a nonprofit called Kiva.org um, in San Francisco. Uh, and that's where I met my wife. She was working there as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, uh, she was, as, as I say, what then brought me back permanently to San Francisco, uh, when we started dating. Very cool. Very cool. I appreciate that backstory for a couple of reasons. One, uh, for those of you who are listening to Knucklehead, listen, we, we, we hover over the fact that there's not one of us that's got this all figured out, right? We're just, we're just at different points in the journey. And we, you know, we, we strive to bring folks who can share authentically the, the screw-ups along the way, right? Uh, one of the things that, that I'm hearing him talk about, you know, Johnny here, uh, is he's gone kind of effortlessly from one country to another, yet it, it, everybody knows, even whenever you're, you're moving from one spot to another, or if you go and you do some type of volunteer work in a place that you've never been before, you're going to be presented with opportunities to screw up. You're going to, you're going to be put in situations where you, you're like, oh, crap, you know what? I wish I would have planned a little bit better here. And... Sometimes they put you into a situation where you're forced to provide a solution and that solution doesn't go the way you want it to. So, Johnny, can you think of a time here real quick, just in the instance that you were in Africa, um, like I like the shark, the, what did you say, crocodile infested waters where you're you're carrying a bike. Mm -hmm. How did you Mm -hmm. get into that scenario? Like, do you remember what led you to that? And did you recognize how severe of a situation that was when you're in the moment? That's a great question. I'll answer that question and then tie it back to what you said earlier about career, career direction as well. But yeah, so, I mean, there was this outdoor education facility tied to the school where I was teaching and they had groups of kids come out and then they would take them on these expeditions. And these were like, you know, kids from like America and the UK. And so they had lawyers and they had, you know, long kind of forms that they needed to fill out and insurance. And so they did the kind of pretty, pretty light, easy, tame stuff. But then the the um, uh, educators and the guys that ran the center um, took me and a buddy of mine who was out visiting me from the UK and and this one other guy who was a teacher at the school 
And they took us out on a trip just with them. And so we did this five-day cycling trip through this uh, game park or around the edge of this game park where I I wore like one pair of underwear, one pair of socks for five days, slept in it, like biked in it all day, like didn't wash, like just eating, eating, you know, tiny amounts from whatever we had in our backpacks along the way. Barely saw anyone the whole time. Did did see an elephant. Saw plenty of hippos and crocodiles in these pretty deep rivers. Like, wait, there's a picture of me wading through a river, coming up to like my my chest, carrying my bike above my head. And I look back on it now, especially as a dad, and it's like that was absolutely insane what I did. But you're there's 18, a crocodile you probably ten, 10 feet away from you. Absolutely, it's- that. There might have been like it was muddy water. It, it was genuinely insane. And I would never, ever do that now. But you're there, you're 18, you're on this trip with your buddies. You don't want to be the guy that doesn't carry your bike across the river. <laughs> and so you kind of just do it. Um, but then you look back, it's like, what the hell was I thinking? But I mean, to go back to what you said, you said the word effortlessly. I think that's a generous way of putting it. I, I look at like some of the uh, the forks in the road in my career. And I, I'm an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs test, Stephen. I don't know if you know that test or if you know what you are, but oh yeah, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you know what you are? Yeah. I'm, I don't know it uh, by, I'm an extrovert. Like I'm a, I, there's different variations of it. I, I talk mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm center of attention, fairly detail oriented and don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all you that, all that breaks down to. So. Although you, you have detail-oriented that I, that I don't like. ENFPs are like super um, spontaneous, go with the flow. And I, I see this in my career as well. So, you know, uh, um, when I graduated from college, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went, went to a career fair that Oliver Wyman, this management consulting firm that I ended up joining, was putting on. And they had like, it wasn't just free wine, but it was like not the cheapest wine, you know, it was like not too buck chuck. Uh, and so I was like, wait, a $10, a 10 pound in England bottle of wine for free canapes. And you're, set, you're telling me as a 22 year old, I get to fly business class around the world to help senior executives solve their most uh, challenging problems, staying five star hotels, eating canapes and drinking 10 pound dollar bottles of wine sign me up. And so I did it, but it wasn't, it was just like, I didn't really know what to do. Just seemed sure. cool. Did that. Then coming out of that, got to Kiva and, but like, and several forks in the road in my career, it's been quite serendipitous, I would say, and, and not particularly strategic or well-planned, but it's just kind of trying to, okay, an opportunity came along. Let's, let's jump on that. All right. So Johnny, I got to, I got to, I got to stop. Hold on for a second. We had a, uh, all right. So what Sorry, I wanted to, that, that's okay. So I wanted to stop you there for a second. So um, here's why, here's why I wanted to stop you. We, in, at Knucklehead, we call it something real simple. We just call it getting, getting some wins. Right. And, and that was essentially was bore out of mentally getting in front of the activity that it takes in order to produce something tangible, fun and adventurous, right. In your career, a lot of times you feel as if you have to do something perfect. And so it creates a little bit of stalling on the momentum side. That's, that's that really, quite frankly, in sales, we call it just a paralysis by analysis. And how can we help folks, you know, get out in front of their own way, so to speak. And how can we help think, think differently through, through certain, certain things, getting some wins was predicated based off of you're going to screw up. So it's okay. Just go ahead and get punched in the mouth or 
if 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 you can turn your face a little bit so you get punched in the cheek instead of the nose so you don't break it you know what i mean so it, it's <laughs> not made of glass it's going to have you're going to be fine you're going to wake up and you're going to move forward um and so that was that was what get some wins was and that also is based upon the characteristics of what we classify as don't be beta that means you have to be willing to go out there and and lead yourself and lead other people and look like an idiot to a certain extent because if you mm-hmm. don't what ends up happening is that you're going to be subject to a situation or circumstance that somebody else deemed okay for you to fit in. And what I'm hearing you talk mm-hmm. about is this willingness to kind of put yourself out there. I like how you said it wasn't strategic. You could make the argument that if you had, you know, thought through a, a few things, you did, you, you did do it fairly strategically because you just listed seven characteristics as a 22 year old, that would be fantastic to go work for a management consulting firm. Just not everybody has the ability to assess you know, opportunities like that. So given the fact that you had all of these, these uh, breakthroughs, so to speak, what made you go to the nonprofit world versus staying in management consulting? That's a great uh, question. Um, one of the uh, big failings of my life over the last uh, 10 years since I left management consulting uh, and I'm kind of joking here because I actually think, you know, it's been a great decision. But financially, by the, by the uh, you know, uh, criteria of success as uh, judged by most people in the world, I'm earning about half now what I was earning 10 years ago when I left consulting. So uh, my wife will sometimes uh, point this out to me like, oh, I thought I married a uh, very affluent uh, management consultant now <laughs> going to work in the nonprofit sector and now in startups. It's like, oh, okay, well, that hasn't been the best uh, move financially. But anyway, the point is, it certainly wasn't for the paycheck uh, <laughs> that I moved from Oliver Wyman to, to Kiva.org. Um, I think, as with most things, it was a combination of motivations. Um, uh, so, you know, for, definitely, like, I always like to say, and this is maybe like fitting the narrative to the facts afterwards. Um, but like, I always like to hope that there was some kind of mission orientation in me. Like the reason I went out to Africa as an 18 year old kid to teach in the school was like, you know, wanting to uh, kind of help people. And then when I was there, I saw a lot of poverty firsthand. And so then I studied African uh, history in, in college. I studied history in college. I studied like uh, economic development um, uh, and, and like, okay, how do we try to um, build a world that has more kind of income and wealth equity uh, versus like, you know, concentration of, of wealth. And uh, so I like to think that me moving from Oliver Wyman to Kiba certainly had some element of that, where it's like, oh, I really want to try to help you know, low moderate income entrepreneurs expand their financial opportunities. And that's what we were doing. At Kiva, we were making 0% interest loans to small businesses. And a lot of those loans were to um, entrepreneurs of color or low moderate income uh, entrepreneurs. And so just help, helping them to start or grow businesses basically was, was the mission. Um, so that was certainly one element of it. But another piece was, you know, I'd done consulting for four years. And they had this program where you could go and volunteer at a nonprofit and have a bit of a break, honestly, from the grueling slog of management consulting, 100-hour weeks. So I went, and it was in San Francisco. So 
So in San Francisco for six months, like put my feet up a little bit, like play golf at 4 p.m. rather than slaving away in the office until midnight every night. And uh, then when I was there, I, I met my wife and then went back to consulting after the six months was up, did another two years in consulting. But then when I was looking to leave consulting, like this opportunity at Kiva came along. And so, uh, you know, it was partly like I got to know the team when I was at volunteering at Kiva during those six months, got to know the team, got to know the mission, thought this is really cool. And when an opportunity to work that full time came up, it's like, OK, let's let's go jump into that. I think the catalyst for me leaving Oliver Wyman was it was crazy hours and the travel schedule was really intense. So I'd married my wife in the interim and then I was flying out on a Sunday night, red eye from San Francisco to Toronto uh, and then flying back on a Thursday night exhausted. And that was like the first six months of our marriage was like, oh, we never got to see each other. Um, And so I wanted to leave consulting to have a a slightly more kind of relaxed lifestyle. Um, So yeah, as with most big decisions, I think uh, the transition from consulting to the nonprofit sector was was kind of a combination of factors. Role-wise, it was really cool as well. You know, I was a cog in the machine at Oliver Wyman. Um, I was the founder of the U.S. program at Kiva, so I was like, you know, it was a team of two people, so <laughs> it wasn't saying much, but I was at least like the guy calling the shots and was able to grow that team over the next seven years. So combination of factors. Well, I mean, you, okay. So I, I really appreciate that backstory. One, because you, 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 you're dealing with two different, not only entities, but decision-making processes when you're talking about a well-oiled machine and, or excuse me, a cog in the machine over there at the management consulting space. Bureaucratic organizations exist, right? I spent almost 10 years in Marine Corps, understand how, uh, you know, all the way down mm-hmm. to a team of four, small unit leadership or a, you know, a fire team, so to speak, at the platoon level that functionality of decision-making, like basic refinement of how to develop skills all the way up to how the entire organization, the Marine Corps works, there's, there's those tactics and those skills, they're applicable at the, at the small fire team level, personal decision-making all the way up to how the org- whole organization functions. And so given the fact that you have some experience in that, in that management consulting space, obviously for some time uh, doing fairly well at it. And then now you're in this world where you're founding a new uh, I guess a new division, right? In a new market. Talk a little bit about some of the opportunities there uh, where you, you had the opportunity to screw up. And let's go back to maybe a time where you had a visceral type reaction where like, oh my gosh, you're, you don't know how to deal with the impact of the mistake that was made or the screw up and potentially what, 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 what the breakthrough was and, and you know, what happened on the other side of it. Was it as big of a deal as what you thought whenever the screw up was happening? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think like one of the things I look back on when we launched, um, it was called Kiva Zip at the time. It was like a pilot program within the larger nonprofit of Kiva. Um, and at the time it was me and this one other guy. And when we launched it, we launched it in two separate geographies. So we had the Kiva US program um, that I was kind of running. And then we had the Kiva Zip Kenya program that this other guy, Akash, was running. Um, and at the time it was like, yeah, great, you know, we uh, will launch this in two, two separate places and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll kind of grow it in both. And um, uh, since I've read uh, Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, where he talks about when you're starting a company, one of the things you want to do is focus, focus. And he talks about Facebook a lot in that book. And, you know, Facebook started not just in like, you know, focus on university campuses, but in one college, Harvard. 
and kind of saturated Harvard and then moved to other Ivy League schools and then moved to, but that they started with an extremely focused customer set. And so for us, we launched in the US targeting, you know, the, the um, restaurant down the, down the street from you, right? Or a small like shop owner or barbershop. Um, and then we also launched in Kenya uh, on the other side of the world where, you know, English is mostly a second language, like no one has computers, you know, and it's just a totally different customer segment. And we had basically half a software engineer who was on loan from, you know, the main uh, Kiva website. Uh, and so we're incredibly resource constrained and now trying to build a model in two totally different directions and fit it into one platform. And so um, I look back and it's like, how on earth did we make that decision to launch in two geographies versus one? Uh, and in the end, we decided when the new CEO came in and a few years later, we decided to cut the Kenya program and kind of double down and refocus on, on the U.S. side. And so even now today, uh, that, that team is just focused on the U.S. But that was a decision which, like looking back, it's like, how on earth did we think that was a good idea? Um, and, and kind of related, I mean, I look back and say, I wasn't the right person to, to run that team or like to have that role. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, you know, I found my way into this role. I, I, I'd volunteered, as I mentioned at Kiva for six months, yeah. two years before. So I got to know the CEO and the team and, uh, you know, we had a great relationship, um, uh, really enjoyed them. I think they enjoyed working with me. And so they created this role for me. But I had no experience in startups. Like consulting is very, very antithetical towards starting something. No experience yep. in microfinance, no experience in tech. And so it, it was uh, like, it, it, it makes sense that I made that terrible decision along with other people as well, because I had absolutely no business like being in that role at that time. Well, what you're talking about is you're talking about a willingness, right? I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about what are the characteristics of success? It's not always getting it right, right? I mean, the way that you're, the way that we're trained, yeah, eventually you have to get it right. But the way that we're trained, you, you go through a series of iterations in school and you advance as you essentially can perform and show that you're basically capable of moving on and, and, and showing more responsibility, more aptitude and whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. But the, the measures of success aren't always predicated on getting it right the first time. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you screw up mm -hmm. a lot along the way. And so what I'm hearing you talk about has kind of led you to where you are today. And I appreciate you, you sharing so do, let's do this then. Let's land the plane this way. You, you've had a lot of adventure and a lot of, uh, a lot of I don't want to call it moving around. It, it's more so synonymous with what it is that you're doing. But geographically, you've been in different places. And now you're at a, at a point in your career where you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to bet on me a little bit differently, given the perspective of the last 20 years uh, from you know, carrying a bike across cro crocodile-infested waters in, in Africa. Um, what you're doing now is not that much different, though, is it? Or is it? educate me a little bit about what you're doing and help tell yeah. people how to get in touch with you and how to find you. Yeah, that's a great point. So yeah, thank, thank you for bringing it back. Um, so three years ago, I joined uh, WeFunder. Um, so I, I'm the VP of fundraising here now. Uh, yeah, what we are doing does feel a lot like a crocodile-infested river most days. Uh, I hadn't really put it in those terms before, but now that you say that, yeah, it, I'm back as an 18-year-old in the <laughs> game bugs of Africa. <laughs> That's funny. And so, That's funny. yeah, um, we help entrepreneurs raise capital um, you, uh, you, it, through crowdfunding. So just as you'd raise money from angel investors, you can raise money from your fans, your customers, your friends and family, your community, and we have a million investors on the platform. So it's kind of like Kickstarter 
But if you're looking at raising a million dollars for your startup, then you can raise that million dollars from your your fans and um, our network. Um, so that's what I do. And the reason it's like a crocodile infested river is, um, well, for a start, probably every startup is a crocodile infested river and there's always challenges and problems and resource constraints. And you got to try to figure out where the crocodiles are and try not to get eaten by them. Uh, but also like what we're doing, I mean, it's, it's very new, right? This isn't like a restaurant where thousands of restaurants have been done before. Like the, the ability for anyone uh, not just rich people, not just accredited investors, but anyone to invest in startups is new. Legally, it was not possible five years ago. Um, the Jobs Act, uh, which was rolled out in 2016, now enables anyone listening to invest in a startup that they think is cool in a few minutes on WeFunder for a hundred bucks. Um, and so we're blazing new ground. Like no one has figured out how to generate returns for investors, how to prevent fraud, how to, you know, provide founders with the tools that they need to market these opportunities to investors. And so, um, uh, yeah, probably more so than even most startups, like because this is a very, very new industry uh, and we're leading this industry, it, it does feel like we're, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it, it's an adventure. It's, it's exciting. Uh, it feels like highly, highly risky and uh, kind of scary every day, but trying to figure it out as best we can as we go. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that you, you're, you're talking about it in a way that's, uh, and that maybe uh, is characteristic of walking across crocodile infested waters. But at the same time, you're, you're significantly better equipped now than what you were, um, you know, had you not had the experience of going through what you did in San Francisco, moving from one country to another, starting uh, a new division, essentially gaining trust and, and establishing rapport the way that you did in the management consulting world. I mean, there's elements that, that you that you could probably, if we really wanted to get super granular with That's some of your experiences. That's a great point. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, I never it's, really thought of that before, but yeah, it's like the, the kind of adventures and new experiences that you have in your life then prepare you for this big scary new experience that you find yourself in now. That's a great point. You've, you're almost like building a muscle for coping with adversity and the unknown. There's uh, a really good book yeah. that, that does a much better job of synthesizing what we're talking, what, you know, uh, what Johnny and I are talking about here. It's called the talent code, right? So it talks about the, the biological effect of screwing it up and making mistakes and the synapses mm-hmm. between the brain and essentially the subsequent myelin that gets developed within your muscle memory. Uh, it, it's amazing the skill set that you can learn doing all the things that you're talking about, essentially what that leads to. So, Johnny, I appreciate you mm-hmm. taking some time. We started this conversation by stating that we met on LinkedIn. Tell people real quick before we wrap here, how can they get in touch with you and and uh, in any save round, so to speak, before we before we call it quits today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn, Johnny Price. I, I respond to those. I'm on Twitter, Johnny C. Price. Um, and yeah, if you're a startup founder, and you're looking at raising capital, um, 50K to 5 million is the range we do on WeFunder. And you can learn more at wefunder.com slash raise. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope we might be able to help you raise the capital you need. There you go. All right. So for those of you who are listening, uh, just so happens that our audience happens to be what you're talking about there. So if you're, if you're, if you're wondering to, to want to know essentially who you're going to get whenever you follow that call to action that he just gave you, go back and listen to this episode again. Just go back and take some notes on it. To have a conversation with Johnny and see see how he can uh, uh, go out and help you. And that's how we connected. So why not go out and, and and take him up on his offer? He told you exactly how to get in touch with him. Just don't misspell his name. Johnny Price is J-O-N-N-Y. 
Price. Don't put an H in <laughs> no there because there ain't one. Anywhere to be seen. No there H says, If you put an IE on the end, that is that is a real deal breaker for me. You're wrong. Steven, this has been fun, man. I feel like uh, I, I should pay you significant money for the therapy session that you've just uh, put me through over the last 30 minutes. But That's I love okay. It. Just leave a review. The price of admission is real simple. Go and leave a review. <laughs> A Knucklehead Podcast on your favorite podcast plus uh, hosting platform. Most of most people like Apple Podcasts. That's fine. If you're a Spotify guy, go ahead, leave a review there. It won't hurt my feelings. All right. So with that, Johnny told you exactly how to get in touch with him. If you like listening, Knucklehead. New episodes coming at you all the time. Remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins. Uh, you know how to get in touch with us, Knucklehead Media Group. We turn dead leads to life through podcasting. Talk to you soon, folks. See you.